With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Alright guys, so we're back for another Monday episode. It is our second major week in quarantine, and it has been decided among the network that we are going to be moving down to one episode a week. We have tried to sustain the um, amount of content that we were producing with the two episodes a week, and, you know, it was difficult. Um, a lot of us across the network were struggling to come up with interesting ideas to, you know, entertain you guys, the listeners. And we felt that it would be a little watered down if we were putting down two episodes a week. So from now on, starting this week, only episodes on Mondays. Um, so coming Wednesday, coming Wednesday night, um, I will not be recording another one. We're not going to have an episode for Thursday. That's just... Sorry, that's how it's going to be until further notice. I will keep you guys updated in that regard. Um, But yeah, so that's it for um, housekeeping notes. So just a quick announcement, brief announcement there. Anyway, so (laughs) honestly, not a lot has happened in um, the Habs hockey world. Um, Not a lot of interesting things to talk about. Regarding Montreal at all, um, we talked about Cole Caulfield, and since then, you know, that's really all that's really happened these, um, this last week. Um, the sports world has been obviously buzzing a bit, but, you know, for the most part, quiet, especially the hockey world, I've noticed, um, you know, we, we do get to see updates about a lot of NBA players getting coronavirus, and that's terrible, and I hate to act like that's, you know, exciting or something, but, you know, we get to see that, and... With Montreal, it's just not Montreal, the NHL, sorry, it's just we're not seeing updates like that, which is a good thing. You know, players aren't becoming infected, so we take that as a positive. Um but yeah, and even if they did get infected, we heard that a senator's player may be infected. Um the NHL, just in general when it comes to injuries and things like that, is pretty discreet. I'm I'm sure we're probably not gonna find out who some of these players are. We might not even know if some players get the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, which, fair enough. I think uh, it's a private thing. We don't need to know about it. But in other words, it's to put it bluntly, it's it's grinded the whole hockey media to a halt. Um, there's not a lot to talk about, so we kind of just have to make up stuff, make some interesting content, um, I am going to be ha- talking with Shane Ryan, the host of the Senators and co-host of the New Jersey Devils podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network with our very own Bayou Benders. Both of them are working hard to provide content for New Jersey Devils fans. Obviously, it's not their first choice of team, but you know they love talking hockey, and they honestly do a really good job together. They're, it's a really fun podcast to listen to. I haven't personally listened to it in a few weeks now, but I really enjoy it when I do tune in, so if you guys have a chance, you should definitely check it out, and you should definitely check out Shane's own podcast, which is the Frozen Biscuit 
but I will remind you guys later on in the episode as well, so don't you worry. Alright guys, I'm on the line with Shane Ryan, host of the Ottawa Centers podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to introduce yourself, it's the first time that you've been on Habs Nightly. I'm sad it's taken this long, but we're finally here. Yeah, it's a pleasure for all your listeners. Uh, name's Shane. I've been doing. I'm the host of the Senators podcast, as well as the co-host alongside Corey from Bayou Benders uh, for the New Jersey Devils podcast, The Devils Advocate. And it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on finally. Yeah, it's about time. Me and Shane have gone back and forth on Twitter about a number of issues, mainly regarding. Cockney, Emmy, and Kachuk. So we're just going to jump in and talk about it because I personally still think Montreal made the right decision. And I know damn well Shane thinks that we are 100% wrong and that he got the better player. So if you want to start it off, say your piece, man. Uh, I mean, I think the fact, outside of the injury, because I'm not going to hate someone on an injury like that, because that's just rude and like disrespectful to the player because he has no control over injuries like that. Yeah. I think it speaks for itself that, like, you drafted – you had – even Zadina would probably have been a better pick Ooh. Ooh. For, for you guys than Kakaniemi at this point. Oh, I don't but know. The, I don't honestly, know. Honestly, though, like, I don't necessarily think it was the wrong pick. I just think you've missed – you've done exactly what you've done with all your other first-round picks and have mishandled them. I feel like I'm like I'm not a lot of Habs fans like when because Suns fans love trolling us on Twitter about Kachuk and yeah, like Kachuk is all he's fucking amazing he's gonna be a superstar yeah he's gonna be a superstar he already is developing into one and if you look at the points he's second only to Sveshnikov in that draft class yeah and just I think he has almost maybe no more than yeah more than double the amount of points of of Kakaniemi. So I think it speaks for itself, but I don't think necessarily Montreal made the wrong choice in Kakaniemi. If that makes any sense, like I feel Bergman got the player he was looking for. In my in my opinion, the bad the worst thing for Montreal is the guy behind the bench and the guy running the shots in Bergman. Oh, 100%. Like, I think Claude he, Julian is not a rebuilding coach at all. He's not a good coach. He wasn't no. a good coach in Boston. He wasn't a good coach the first time in Montreal. He's not that good of a coach. No. And I think he got lucky with Tim Thomas and Nett in 2011. I think I don't I don't necessarily think he's I think he's a good veteran coach like with veteran players. Like Babcock was. Yeah, like we saw like Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie are both veteran defensemen who are continuing to have really good seasons with him. Brendan Gallagher's had career years with him. They're all veteran players. But we saw even with Tyler Sagan in Boston, Julian, obviously there were other factors, but Julian essentially ran him out of town. And yeah, I'm afraid. Julian doesn't like giving young guys time to grow. It's either you play away and you don't get any, you don't, he doesn't let players make the mistakes they make when they're, you know, 18, 19, entering the league for the first time. Exactly. And we saw, like, with Kakaniemi, even this year, it's his sophomore season. He's the sixth youngest player in the NHL. Like, he's obviously going to make mistakes. And I feel like the situation Brady Kachuk is in, obviously, I think, honestly, I think Brady Kachuk may possibly turn into a better player. I don't want to shit on Kakaniemi at all. That's not to say I don't think Kakaniemi can be a superstar, but Kachuk also had a situation where if he made a mistake, he they weren't going to bench him, right? There was no other option. The coaching staff wasn't going to take it out on him, and we've seen him flourish for that. And because yeah, I mean, that's what you should do with your top picks. Is, yeah. I mean, not even just your top picks. Like I think that's what you're seeing with Ottawa is, you know, you're going to make mistakes, yes, but it's also how hard you work. And if you're going to work hard – You'll get the minutes, you'll play, and we can learn the mistakes. As long as you're not making the same mistakes twice or often, you're good. Exactly. And Ottawa, chirp all I want. And they are right now, the last few years, with all the Melnick issues and 
management. They have been kind of a laughing stock, but they're going to be good in a few years. Like this, and, they're taking the right approach to this rebuild. And since I'm pretty sure, like last time I did the math, which was at the end of last season, um, the only other Canadian team to be in the playoffs more times than Ottawa has been been Montreal by one, and we've also had the most success outside of your outside of Ottawa's first year when Montreal won the cup. Ottawa's had the most, you know finals well tied with the most final appearances the most conference has the most conference finals appearances has i think the second best winning record behind Cal, uh, behind vancouver in winning percentage so it's like uh ottawa's had a good amount of success over the last like two decades yeah definitely it's kind of been I think it's easy to compare it to the kind of success that Montreal has had. We saw the last few years where they get close and they get almost, you can touch it, you can taste it, but it's, they can't grab it and they just haven't been able to take the next step and win the cup. But I think the way they're building the team too, the way Ottawa is going, it fits the NHL, the current NHL perfectly. And I think Montreal and Ottawa are both going to be really, really good teams in a few years. So it's going to be, I honestly think one of the better rivalries in the Atlantic. Oh, I mean, I think we've already started to see the rivalry grow since yeah. that playoff season, like series uh, a couple of years ago with Griba and Eller. Um, that suicide pass up the middle that, that was had brutal. no reason had no reason to be be done to begin with. That that should not be called a pass. That should be. That was a suicide attempt. Yeah, <laughs> that was that brutal. was basically who I can't remember who made the pass, but whoever made that pass set El, like Ellers up for like suicide. Basically yeah. told him like, "You're gonna go die now. I'm gonna set you up. I'm gonna kill you with that pass." And it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like our newspaper headline at the end of the the next day because I thought it was pathetic and unnecessary when it said that Ottawa drew first blood and it was a picture of Ellers laying down on the ice with blood coming out of his face. And I'm like, I lost a lot of respect for the sun, the Ottawa sun when that happened. Cause it's like, eh, it's not really appropriate. Not at all, but in the most twisted, messed up way too, I think it does show that there is signs of a rivalry brewing there too. And I feel if any fans aren't going to forget that, it'll be Montreal. Yeah. So, as much as we hate to see that, because that's not something I condone at all. Obviously, that's horrible. I think... I don't care the team. I don't care if it was... Yeah. Oh, I don't care if it's Toronto. Just, no. We don't want to see that. No. That's just but poor journalism. We're going to see a lot of beef, for lack of a better term, in the coming years when these two teams are top of the yeah. division. Yeah, when Tampa and Boston finally age out. Yeah, and the Leafs fuck up because that's what the Leafs do. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure it's not in a much better boat right now, though. No, but I honestly think if any team can squander the potential and talent that that Leafs team has... It oh, is, it's Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be the Leafs. 100%. I, I don't think there's any other team or management that can fuck it up more than Toronto can already. I think the only team that could rival them would be Edmonton. Buffalo. Buffalo, maybe. But honestly, Eichel might just will them to the playoffs. See, this is my thing. I think Matthews is overrated. I think if you were to swap Eichel, swap Eichel for Matthews, Toronto's in a lot better situation. And And Matthews isn't even talked about. No. Well, I think... You probably get it just as bad as I do living in kind of southern Ontario. It's all TSN talks about is fucking Austin Matthews and TSN. how amazing he is. Same with Sportsnet. It's why they hired Steve Daigle as their like, – like, how do you hire – how can you hire someone who is so biased towards a team when you're supposed to be a biased – like an unbiased news network? It's why I hate Jeff O'Neill. I hate him with a passion. He makes my ears bleed every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> like, 
when I lost a lot of respect for TSN and for him when during the draft lottery he was wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf jersey. Yeah, and it's and he he fanboyed when they won. Like and like I understand the reaction because like obviously those guys are going to be fans of teams because hockey's literally their fucking lives. But when you're doing your job that you get paid thousands upon thousands of dollars to do on national television, like maybe be a little bit professional about it. He doesn't work for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He works for TSN. Like it was if it was if he worked directly with the Toronto Maple Leafs, that I would have no issue with it because obviously you work for the team. That's a like you you work for the team, you know, if he was part of Toronto TV and worked for the team, it'd be no issue. But you're working for a national company that's supposed to cover and show no bias towards any teams. And you're on national, I think they were on international TV too, because I'm pretty sure ESPN was pulling it. And it's like, you can't, you can't allow that to happen. No, it's brutal. And Honestly, like, it's kind of a, not the greatest comparison, but watching Sportsnet and TSN cover the Leafs is like watching Jack Edwards cover a Boston Bruins game. Oh, that, that's, that's the best way I can kind of describe it. Like, you, you, they're, they're trying to act like they're not being biased, but they're so clearly biased. Oh, yeah. And it's to the point where, like, it hurts, like, it makes your ears bleed. Like, they bring up Leafs, which is why I kind of like Craig Button, because he's ripped the Leafs so many times. I think he gets a bad rap for no reason. I, there, There's definitely times where I'm just like, really? Like, like I think, I, I get what you're saying, but I find when he's doing his job, which is, like, mostly prospect-focused, I trust, like, almost no one higher than Craig Button when it comes to prospect lists. To a certain extent. I feel like he's still he's still a little bit more conservative. And I think that's my issue is that he's so flip floppy when it comes to height. Like one, for one player it doesn't matter but for another player it does. One year it matters, one year it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Like it either matters or it doesn't. Pick one. Because for Jack Hughes it doesn't matter that he's 5'10". He's the best player in the draft. But for Marco Rossi, who's 5'9", literally like an inch shorter than him, it's a problem. And he's not top five talent. I've heard some of it with Rossi, though, was too. I don't know what Rossi's weight is listed at, but I'm pretty sure it's like substantially less than Jack Hughes was. I could be very wrong on that, but I was reading something about that. I don't know if maybe that's what Craig Button's getting at because he was also Craig Button was one of the first people to go out and say that Cole Caulfield was a top five talent in that draft, and oh, he's he look, was. yeah he's looking to prove it all this year and hopefully next year too. Yeah, I mean I, I'm happy that he's staying in uh, in Wisconsin. Oh, me too. I mean they're gonna be shit, but like he would get destroyed if he came to the NHL next year. Even to the AHL. Yeah. It would no, be. actually, technically, according to Elite Prospects, uh, Marco Rossi is five or nine pounds heavier really? than Jack Hughes. Man, I, I, think the re- I think the reason why Marco Rossi gets hated on is because he's not North American. That's or he's definitely- not from your tra- traditional hockey market because he's from Austria so he's definitely not from your traditional hockey market I think part of it too might be is that he kind of unless you're a 67 like you live in Ottawa I'm sure Rossi was on your radar for a while but for a lot of people Rossi was not on the radar to start the year and he kind of just destroyed draft boards he was the best rookie in the OHL last year he was better like statistically better than Byfield and Perfetti. The problem is, though, is that he's 
because he's I think that that's where it comes down to being in a hockey market or not is that Perfetti and Byfield were tagged as you know top five picks since they were what like 13 14 yeah and I think that's where a lot of the issues lie is when you have these internationals who don't come from like major hockey markets you don't get to see them until they're in a major hockey market I think a lot of it does have to go on the draft year though like you were saying because I had the um I have the 2018 entry draft pulled up so I was looking at Kachuk Kakaniemi stats if you look at the top four no the top three players are all international and then yeah. Philip Zadina six international Adam Boykvist but where eight. did they play um, that's true. Because Liga. I'm pretty sure, because I'm pretty sure Dolan was a Sweden player, but Shnefnikov and Sedina, um, they both did come both, over. Yeah, yeah, we're both CHL players. Kaki Niemi was a Finnish, Liga. Yeah, and and then Kachuk was, um, in college. Yeah, he played. Boston. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think college route. I don't like the college route one bit. I think I think it's ridiculous, but it's hard they to, have to they have to make that decision at like fourteen. I don't like the idea of foregoing a year of not only school but just like development. Like you're playing you're jumping in and you're playing at seventeen years old with men who are huge, much like just physically much bigger than you. And I find that when looking at like NCAA stats, like it's really hard to determine whether a player's real or not. 100%. And stats okay. aren't everything, but you know, you play a big part in it. Yeah. But I personally, out of this draft class, 2018 is going to go down as a rock. 2019, though, it's so shit. Like 20, last year's draft class is such like a oh you don't know what you're getting. No, it's I, I I'm torn. I don't why some teams picked some players. Like I just the draft boards were so shit last year. Like nothing was predictable. Like to be fair though, I think Kirby Doc has the chance to be the best player out of that draft in Chicago. Because Byram looks like a bust already. Like, he doesn't look like he's going to – I see, wasn't. I like Bowen Byram. <laughs> I'm not impressed with him. I wasn't impressed with him at the Worlds. I wasn't impressed with him with the games I was able to catch from Vancouver this year. I don't think he's going to – he's going to be a – he's going to be an NHLer, but, like, I don't see him being a top four defenseman. I barely see him being a top six, at least for the next couple of years. I just think if Bowen Byram, like, because he did put up really, really good stats in junior, and I've from what I've heard, because one of my buddies is a big Avs fan, like, he's put up some decent stats this year too. If he can work on his defensive side of the game, because obviously that's a huge issue that a lot of people have with him. You're like basically th- an extra forward. Yeah, I think like, his potential is really, really high, but his like floor is also his basement is also really, really low. I think he could go either way. Yeah, I ju- I think he's either going to be a star or he's going to be a bust. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think either him and Makar will do incredible things together and just dominate, or he'll be fourth you know fourth defenseman on the second pairing or something like that uh, i want to see new hook i think out of the two guys they drafted for colorado i think new hook's gonna be the better one yeah new hook um i was looking oh, there was a bunch of twitter polls that they were doing of prospects and new hook was routinely voted by fans as the number one also you know fuck suzuki Fuck Suzuki. Fuck Suzuki. Why? For the shit that he did to the 67, well, not just him, um, to the 67s last year in the playoffs, and then getting <laughs> traded to Montreal. Just fuck Suzuki. No Suzuki's awesome, shit. man. 
Oh yeah, I love him. I kind of want <laughs> Otto to pick his brother, cause that yo, that would be intense. Imagine an Ottawa, an Ottawa Montreal rivalry with the Suzuki brothers involved. I think it would be insane, but I don't know. Like, I honestly really wanted Montreal to pick Ryan Suzuki too. <laughs> I would have hated it. I would have lost it. When Carolina picked him, I was so mad because I, I fucking hate Carolina. I love Carolina. I should love them, but I hate them because of the whole Sebastian Ajo thing. What? Oh, wow. Uh, I just, because I, I, Sebastian fucking <laughs> literally fleeced Bergevin. Everyone fleeces Bergevin. Like, Bergevin got – he signed it. He got an offer she did it knowing that Carolina was going to match it. The only thing I like about that move, though, is that Montreal literally lost nothing. Well, no. you. But that's the whole point, is that, like, there you didn't lose anything, but you got fleeced by a player. Eh. I think if – I think, like, Sebastian Ajo fleeced both sides on that. I don't think so. I think it was literally, like, he if he, want, he wanted to stay in Carolina, it's the best deal for him. Yeah, I mean, he knew that he he knew he wasn't going to get that money from Carolina, even though Carolina may have been willing to give it to him. They're not just going to be like, oh yeah, here. So he got what he, he got the money he thought he deserved out of Montreal, and Carolina just offered like just matched it. That's what I'm saying. I think he got what he wanted from like I feel Sebastian Ajo got both of them because from what I've heard, he would have been fine playing in Montreal. So he was happy either or. If he obviously he wanted Carolina to re-sign him, but Carolina wasn't going to offer him that money, so he gets to play in Carolina for the amount of that. What? How much money was it again? It was almost nine point five. Yeah, almost ten mil. And Ridiculous. He could have, and if that didn't work out, he would have been able to play in the hockey mecca of the world. So I think <laughs> that was a win-win for Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, be on a, a shittier team for the next eight years. Or seven he, years. They would have been good though with him. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Ajo's can lead a team. I'm not saying they would have made the playoffs this year. Montreal shit, but it would have sped Montreal things up. Was literally nothing without Price for the longest time. And now it's the it, yo, oh my god, he's so bad this I, year. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's just it's like a Rick Nash effect. He just got tired of carrying the team on his back and finally broke. Yeah, pretty much. Like I, you know, I remember saying that, and Montreal fans getting so butthurt about it. It was funny. They would actually get so annoyed with like people who would call it, call that out, being like, "Price isn't a net. You guys suck." And then you saw it with Niemi, and you saw it with, you know. I find, I think, where some Montreal fans get upset about that was because, like, when Montreal made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, like, I'm not gonna see. Carey Price carried that team, but Which there year? was a there was a team there the year that he got injured both with Kreider. I'm not saying like they had no business being there, but they they were a playoff team without Price. It wasn't Price had dragged a bottom five team to the playoffs or anything. I think Price definitely dragged that team way further than they ever could have gone without him. But I do think with a solid starter in that, that that team would have made the playoffs. Was that what, 2012? I think it was 2014, 2015 that Kreider took out Price. I don't know. Uh, last time I remember you guys making it to the fi- Eastern Conference Finals was with Falak against Philly. Yes, the year he stunned Washington. Yeah. No, we went to the I think it was Eastern Conference Finals against the Rangers. Won the first game and then Kreider killed Price and won the series. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, that short in year, man. That short in year. Subban should have never, never won that that Norris. That was their year. I think Eric Carlson should have won the Norris almost every year he was in Ottawa. Oh, hundred percent. The two years that. Doughty and Burns won it. Fucking horseshit. Literally the most hypocritical bullshit I've ever heard. Burns won it for playing as a forward. And Eric Carlson 
plays like a forward, but he defends too. He comes back. You you want to want to hear the reasons they gave as to why they Doughty won it because he led his team to the playoffs. His team made the playoffs, even though Carlson had more points. The following year, Burns wins it. Their reason he had the most points. <laughs> Tell me that these NHL NHL awards aren't fucking rigged and already decided before the All-Star break because you're going to tell me that the guy who went invisible after the All-Star break deserved it more than the guy who carried his team to the playoffs after the All-Star break. I think the NHL awards, especially the Norris, are just – they're not defined enough, a lot of them. I think the Norris is the worst one. I've been in – I've wanted a Bobby Orr trophy for the longest time as the best offensive defenseman. Yeah. And then you have the best shutdown defenseman as the North. It it because they're totally different styles of play. Like a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic, who also plays in San Jose, has been one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. One of the best like typical defensemen in the NHL for most of his career. And he's never mentioned in the Norris conversation because he I don't think he's ever scored more than forty five points. And, like, you have John Carlson, who realistically should have been in the conversation more often than he was, but he wasn't because, you know, yeah. he's not a scorer. Well, and except this year, because this year he just fucking went <laughs> off. Yeah, well, that's not hard to do. No, not with Washington. No, not at all. Like, I give them credit, but at the same time, though, I'm just – I'm so tired of the same excuses and the same BS reasons. Oh. <laughs> I, honestly, I think when it comes to awards and stuff, and it's kind of – I don't – this is going to be taken with a grain of salt. I think the NHL needs to take more of an, an approach of the NBA where they have their players have a vote on it, and part of their vote gets to decide as well. Because like yeah. they're the guys who actually deal with these players, right? They they yeah, know the who the players play no. against. I hate the whole idea that media have a say in it. Stupid. They they almost have all the say. Yep. It's like the all star it's like the all star voting though. The all star voting is a joke because it's not about people who deserve to go, it's about a popularity contest. It's also the every team needs a player ruins it's it. Stupid. <laughs> it absolutely ruins it. Because you could do a thing like the NBA where I think Shea Weber this year deserved to be in the All-Star game. There are years that I don't think he deserved to be in it, and he made it. But if you want him to be there to showcase in the hardest shot, do what the NBA does for the dunk contest. Aaron Gordon's not an All-Star, but he's in the dunk contest almost every year because yeah. they invite players like that. Because the All-Star game's a joke. The All-Star event's a joke. It's been a joke for years. It's going to continue to be a joke. The NHL is so back-asswards right now. It's ridiculous. They're not good at marketing their league at all. They're not good at being, you know, visionaries. No. And they're so conservative, it's disgusting. Well, what I find, like, fitting, too, is the NHL hired Roger – not Roger, sorry, Gary Bettman to be the commissioner of the NHL after the NBA had him. And the NBA moved on and went on to do great things. The NBA is – we see what the players make. We see how much retinue they make and how popular it's becoming. And that they did all that with Adam Silver. Instead, the NHL picked up – well, no, they did that with Stern. I'm pretty – wasn't Batman from baseball? I'm pretty sure Batman was from I baseball. I think Batman came from the NBA. I could be wrong. But, yeah, no, they did it with Stern, and then they moved on. If I'm wrong, then that totally mutes my point. But what I'm saying – like, I think the, the NHL needs a guy like Adam Silver who's going to be willing to take these, you know, risks and really look into the future and try to grow the game and make it more modern. Well, to be fair, in 2010-2011, he went – the league was 
uh, according to this article, the league revenue was 400 million when he took over at the 2011 season, it was at 3 billion. So that's, that's a very big improvement from like, he has done a really good job and we can't put a lot of blame on the fact that the owners have to vote on this. You know, Batman doesn't get to just like snap his fingers and things are approved right away. It still has to go through the owners. And if the owners don't agree to it, he can't override it. I, I'm not, I, I don't think I mean in terms of a business standpoint. I mean in the terms of, because you're 100% right. Gary Bedman's in, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame for a reason. I just mean, I think the NHL needs to do a better job marketing their league like worldwide. Yeah. Because then we get the best talent from every single country. Yeah. But again, I think it's the problem is that like a lot of this stuff, to change the game and to change the way the game is, this stuff has to go through the owners and the owners have to approve it. So if the owners aren't approving it, there's not much more that Batman can do. That's fair. So maybe it's not even an issue with Batman or the commissioner or anything. It's just a way, it's an issue the with the owners, way. The yeah. owners need to improve their thinking. The owners need to accept the fact that like, and I think this is what basketball has done since Jordan is that they've, they've taken individualism and have made it into a whole brand. You know, I think you can, you, they've accepted the personalities that they have and have used it to create the game and make the game better. The NHL seems to look down upon personality. Yes. If you have a personality, you're, you're frowned upon. It's very, you know, strict, very to the line. If you vary from that line, you're kind of like as a distraction, even if you're not actually a distraction, and then you're made into a distraction. Unless your name's P.K. Subban or Roberto Aluango, I find that that's 100% accurate. The even NHL Subban, doesn't like individuals. Even then, I like Montreal hated Subban's. Like, uh, Montreal entire... fans love Subban. Oh, yeah, but owners. This is like, yeah. and, and that's the problem is that like upper management for the NHL don't like it. They don't, it's, you know, it's very gentleman. Like, you know, you act a certain way instead of accepting that these players have different personalities and should be able to, to allow those personalities to show on ice and off the ice. No, but I agree with what you're saying about the individuality and the difference in personalities, because like you said, it's a quote unquote gentleman's game and you have to act like stoic, like Jean Beliveau in the past or Maurice Richard or be humble like Gretzky. And that I think the NHL just has to realize that not every player is like that. Not every person's like that. And that's what makes the league marketable. And I think, you know, one thing Ottawa has done as a lot of things have been bad their marketing team has been able to market a lot of these young guys' personality. Like, they've been able to use Kachuk's personality and show it to the the community, and they've backed their players on it. And I think that's the big thing, is that if players know that their organizations are going to back them, you're going to see not just more community involvement, you're going to see more, you know, more things from them and more you know, true acts from them. They're not just going to feel like they have to pretend to be a person because they're an NHL player. They can be themselves and they'll be backed no matter what. Yeah, definitely. I think another team, maybe the best example of that in the league would be maybe Carolina too. We saw what they did with the storm surge. 100%. I think Carolina's like, if any team's going to look at allowing your players to be different, you have to look at Carolina. Yeah. And I, I, I'm so torn on I'm talking about, I hate Carolina. Had to love them in that playoff run though. Cause led by Justin Williams from my hometown, Coburg. I thought that like, that was like such an interesting storyline to follow the whole season was him leading that team, you know, coming in and just embracing all of it. He just said the whole year, we're just having fun. Right. And I yeah. think the NHL has, it's not always about fun, and I think when it is, we saw how not only did that team 
defy all expectations and go on that amazing run, but they were fun to watch too. It was enjoyable hockey. I think the the league itself and even fans forget that it's just a it's just a game, right? You like you don't you go out with your friends during the summer and play a pickup game on the rink. You're not going there to play it for you know a Stanley. You're going there to play it for fun. You know if you're not having fun playing it, why are you playing it? Exactly. Right? And the one kid who's sweaty and takes it serious and's yelling at people to <laughs> smarten up they usually get punched in the face or kicked off the playground. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can take it seriously and still have fun because everyone, like, there's nothing wrong with being competitive while having fun, but it's knowing, having a fine line between the two. 100%. And just, I feel, I know I personally, I think that hockey's a lot more fun to watch, but I think even from, because the owners are, a lot of them are influenced by money. From a business standpoint, I think it would be beneficial for the NHL to take that point of view, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, the NHL has an identity, and they're too scared to change it. <laughs> Which so, I kind uh, of understand, but at the same time, don't. Because I do like tradition. I think that is a cool part of the NHL is all the tradition. But I think it's also important to know when to break from tradition. Yeah, it's also understanding uh, that you can have tradition, but also understand that we're in a time where maybe it's time to have a new tradition and recreate a tradition. Yeah, like there's so many ways that the NHL could look to adapt and do diff- do things differently. And I thought they took a really big step when they implemented the three-on-three hockey for the overtime. I think that was huge because three-on-three overtime is so fucking fun to watch. Like you actually – you're invested in it. And if the NHL yeah. could take more steps like that, it would it would be awesome. Just as a – purely from a fan's perspective, I know I would be so much more engaged. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I personally don't like the three-on-three and then the shootout. I hate the shootout. I think it's stupid. I think it should just be three-on-three. I say go for – I think it should be 10 minutes four-on-four, 10 minutes three-on-three. You're going to get a goal. There's no – like, you're not going to play the full 20 minutes. You'll end up getting a goal. That's fair. I also – since we're talking about it, I think the NHL needs to really change the way they do their – their points too Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a whole other topic and just because we look at Montreal last year I know that they were not going to win the Stanley Cup but they should have been in the fucking playoffs last year if it wasn't for the bullshit point system yeah um, I don't know if you've seen my tweets about the point system if you haven't, you definitely should because I think you'll you'll enjoy what it would do. I think um, I've seen a few of them. Yeah, where I've kind of just said fuck the point system and let's go to win percentage like all other leagues have because it's the more logical thing to do. It and it, it's less pissy. Like I don't like at the last five minutes of game. Once we get past January, even December, the last five minutes of games, if they're tied, teams don't fucking play. They play no. for the overtime so they can get the point. Yeah, and it's it's really annoying, and I don't like it, and I think it's ridiculous that we even have – like, we're even in a situation like that. Like, since when have you given the loser a point? No it, league gives a loser a point for a loss. It, it, you lose, you lose, you win, you win. It's not simple. All or the, nothing. Yeah, there is no – oh, well, you made it this far. Okay, are we going to start giving out second-place medals to the team that doesn't win the cup? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a certain uh, – I don't even know what the proper word for it would be, but I think that we have to add in more logical stuff. I think it should be like soccer. And I'm 
I'm a soccer player, so there's a little bit of bias there. I, I think I need to say that before I pitch this. But, like, the way soccer does it is three points for a win, one point for a draw. And I don't think hockey should have ties. But if you lose in overtime, you get one point. If you lose in regulation, you get nothing. If, and that that's it. I would solve so much more. And we what we see in soccer – the best teams are always at the top. And it, there's never a question of, oh, should this team be here? No, the best teams are where they should be. And I, I think it would just clean up a lot. Well, that's what they have the uh, – like, I think what the soccer thing, though, is that you have – like, there are draws because it happens so often, right? So yeah. very rarely do teams win in regulation. I think I've seen more draws than wins to be fair, over the last, like, year and a half that I've been watching soccer on a regular basis? Definitely depends on the league you're watching, but if you're watching, yeah, like, I would say that's fair. Like, the Premier League, for sure, there are a lot of draws. Yeah, so, like, you have to put a little bit of a bonus. Oh, you won because it's a rare win. We're going to give you an extra – like, we're going to give you an extra two points. So, I think when it comes to hockey, though, like, you know, we have wins almost every night, right? Like, we don't have draws. So, I think if you just go to win percentage like baseball and, and the NBA and the NFL have done, it takes away any kind of issues of points altogether. Now, you literally just have, okay, how many games have you won? How many, ga- like, how many games out of these... 82 games have you won. Yeah. And I think that's that's definitely a more efficient system. I want to clarify that. I just think my my idea for the soccer thing is because we're talking about the NHL being so traditional. And I think moving to something that drastically different would be really hard for a lot of people to, to get, I, I guess. Maybe for the casual fan, because the casual fan also thinks that, like, you know, the, the casual fans are the ones that, you know, hate Batman for literally everything, even though you can you can tell them that Batman that the, the NHLPA has refused multiple con- like CBA agreements and refuses to put in their own offer and they'll still hate Batman for it. Yeah. Like they're you know, he can make he can put a team in Quebec and they for some reason, they would end up still hitting Batman for it. So, but I think if you look at a lot of the fans that, you know, have been following the league, I think a lot of them have are okay with going to a, you know, new over, over-vamp system. It's almost something that they could do polls on, too, to determine and have, like... The C- but, obviously it'd be, it'd be implemented in the I'm guessing the CBA and it would yeah. be player input as well but I think there's a number of ways that they could go about gauging interest in it too it's not something they just have to implement and see if it works you could definitely look to try and figure it out yeah I mean I definitely think that like if it does happen it'll have to be through the CBA and it will be done, like, I don't, I just, who do you ask, though? Because yeah. I don't think players are going to care. I don't think fans, like, you're not going to get a true representation of fans that that you should base the number off of. I I, I think some players would care. I Because I, I know all of the Montreal Canadiens players last year would care, right? Because they, a lot of them felt robbed. And I think, yeah. but I think that's the thing is that like, like how would you? I think it would have to be like a trial, like maybe done in the American Hockey League for a year. Yeah, that's a good way. And then implement it the year after. Have maybe have both. Yeah, or. Because because generally, win percentage and point 
percentage and points would equal up. Mm -hmm. And see, that's another thing the NBA has as an, as an advantage too, is they have the, um, the summer tournament and this, they can gauge stuff like this too, which I think, I don't think the yeah. NHL could do something like that necessarily the exact same, but it is a really good, like, for the NBA to gauge ideas like these, they just do it in the summer league, right? I think if the NHL did have something like that, we could see well, them just do. test this out. They do, but it's kind of hard to. Like, yeah. It's kind of hard to test out standing things because, like, we have those rookie tournaments, right? Like, yeah, but they're, what, three three games, I think? Three or four? Yeah, because it's not actually, like, league run. It's team and like individual teams it's usually ottawa have since last few years i think well last year it was ottawa montreal winnipeg was winnipeg in ours last year yeah okay and that's the thing is that like it's whatever team whatever owners agree to it so it's not really league sanctioned it's not league set up if the league had it as like an own setup thing where it's like hey we're going to send this group of teams to this area and this group of teams to this area, then they could do something. But since it's like every, you know, you have three different teams in three different areas. Cause like, it was like Pittsburgh, Philly and Chicago last year for one. Yeah. Even so. even with the Habs and Sens, that those two make sense, and then Winnipeg, they have to travel yeah. so far, and it, it's got to be tough on, you know, rookie players who are just coming into the league. You know, they're seventeen, eighteen years old in some cases. But most of Never. those guys have, like know what traveling is like. Yeah, that's true. But I I just imagine it would it it it's not. I, mean, I don't imagine it's week. beneficial for yeah. the team. I'm sure it'd be much better if it was close quarters right next to the team facilities. I mean, I think, you know, you get that team bonding done, right? Because generally that leads into rookie camp or ends rookie camp. Because that, that's the whole point of it is that you have your you have your development camp in like early June or late June, early July. And then you have you have your rookie camp, and then you have this uh, mini tournament, and then you decide who gets to go to the main camp because it's right before, like world, like it's right before the juniors start their camps too. It's fun to watch too. They yeah, go hard. To, yeah, because it matters. Yeah, you're you're trying to make an impression. You're trying to like you want. Because you're trying to get an invite to, to the main camp. Yeah, it's it's really – I almost find it – I tune in for that, and then I totally tune out for preseason, and then I, I tune pre-season. back in for the NHL season because those guys have so much – to. they have their careers to play for. Yeah. Like, I tune in for the preseason because there's nothing else on. Oh, but I, I, I put it on, but I, I'm not – invested if that makes sense it's kind of usually in the background yeah i think we'll be more invested this year with how bad my team is and all my hopes being in the future that's all i'm going to be looking at this year well i just think working for the network we have more reason to be invested that's definitely true as well it's like you know, preseason matters to, to everything hockey-related. I just – I don't like the way preseason is run. I, I, I wish – I wish it was – I feel like you can't change it, but I almost wish there was just something you could win in preseason to make it more important in a way. And I know that's kind of not the point of it, but from a entertainment perspective, I just – I don't know. It's it's an idea for sure. It, maybe not the best. Just idea, do it like chow. Yeah. Just have you know you have six games or, or seven games, however many non like, divisions, like how many teams you have in your division, and you're good. 
Alright, hey guys, so I'm talking to you after recording this, talking with Shane, um, just to let you know that moving on from here, we go on to talk about video games, we talk about NHL 20, 2K, so if you're not interested in that, you know, no worries, letting you know beforehand, not real hockey talk. However, before you leave, I would like to talk to you about Manscaped. You know, we've got a lot of free time on our hands right now. We're all quarantined, you know, social distancing. We're, we're staying away from people. When we have a lot of free time, you know, often we, we turn to landscaping. We try to make our environment better. Well, how about while you're, you know, in your little quarantine, in your fallout bunker, how about you turn to manscaping and go and look at Manscaped's products using the promo code THPN for 20% off at manscaped.com. All I'm saying is, hear me out, you might find a product you really like, and this time next week, listen to me talk, you can be sitting there with the cleanest, most perfect pair of family jewels you money can buy. But without further ado, I'm just going to cut it there, and we'll go right back to what me and Shane are talking about. Cause like, or like how that's like the only non-realistic thing about the schedule for, well, that's not true. There's a couple of unrealistic things for the Senators or like for the schedule, like when the uh, try deadline was in uh, in NHL and the franchise mode, the trade deadline this year was on the 25th instead of the 24th. I honestly think that's just EA not... <laughs> not knowing they just, they just don't care yeah. ea is not invested in any it's a, basically a reprint every single year you know you know what i miss and like, i think it was like 2010 or 2011 it might have been where they had the cell phones see i had i didn't have ea i had 2k10 so oh, I never nice. had it. Fucking 2K. I missed 2K. 2K made good hockey games. You could go in in the Zambonis and in between the periods and have a Zamboni derby. That was dope. Yeah, you also got kicked out of draws. Yeah, it was like, how, how does EA not have that? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that they had that they don't have that 2K had. And I'm just like, you're shit. 2K just makes better games in general. It's just because 2K didn't really care about graphics. Because, like, 2K9's graphics were shit compared to 09's graphics. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, it was so much more fun. I I don't think – like, I don't play sports games for the graphics. I don't care. I mean, I, play I care the experience. to – I mean, I think graphics go into the experience. At least, I don't care about the fan sitting in the second row in the 200 level. Yeah. I care about my coach not looking like a friggin' demon or my player looking like his job out weird aligned in a friggin' vending machine. I just, I like, if I have to, graphics play a part but if i have to choose between slightly worse graphics but a more enjoyable game and really really good graphics but the gameplay is janky and it's just the same every year i'm gonna i'm gonna go for the worst graphics 100 percent. yeah if i got to choose between worse graphics and not like extremely worse just slightly worse but it like worse graphics and better, more realistic gameplay and more realistic, you know, game options. Yeah. I would definitely choose that over, you know, seeing every wrinkle of the jersey move while your player skates. Well, the thing that EA does with their graphics too, they're good. But if you look at the players' faces, like it makes me think that the people that design Chell don't actually watch hockey. Like, some of the players look like fucking monsters, and it's not nobody's. Like, Kakeniemi looks like a demon in that game. No. 
And I think, like, the skating is the worst. That's like, brutal. Like, the stopping on it is just so unrealistic. And the way the way the um, computer plays the game is not how hockey is played. It just it oh, makes yeah. me... Pre- press defense on, on the, like, you don't have, you don't need to utilize your defense because they're always covered. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Like, how are you, how? Like. I, the, the issue is we're the dumbasses because we're the ones who are going to go out and buy it again every single fucking year. Yeah, even though I tell myself not to. Yeah, I, well, I actually, on Xbox year. Game Pass, you don't even need to buy it. You get it for fucking free. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so bad they're just giving it out for free now. Yeah. Ugh. Even Madden hasn't done that. And Madden's fucking shit. Madden's so much better. That NHL is the only major EA sports game that doesn't have a story yet either. Which is weird because it was the first one to have a story. And then they got rid of it. Yeah. Old Gen was so much better. I, I honestly load up NHL 14 and just tough it out through the graphics and play it because I enjoy it more. Yeah. Like, I remember, I think it was like 2012, maybe it was 2011, where you actually had like, I think it was 2012, where you actually got to like answer questions and whatnot. Yeah, 14 had it too, and you could get sponsorships. Yeah, like, yeah, there wasn't the same kind of story, but at least it was something. Because the same thing with, like, their stories, right, is that they're pre-designed individuals that you have to play as. You can't make your own character. Yeah, that's true. And also, one thing I miss is being able to play as, like, a current NHL player. That was fun. Like, 2010 was was probably my favorite. I like 2010 and 2014. They're my yeah, two favorites. Yeah, I didn't mind 2014. 2010, though, because their goalie dynamics were actually realistic. Like, you could actually play a game on goalie and not feel like your head's going to explode. <laughs> um, true. Thing about the custom story, though, like, sorry, the story with the custom player, Um, it's so doable, though, because I don't know if you've you ever played to any of the 2K NBA games. The new oh, yeah. ones, you can cust- fully customize your player, and they, it's a totally interactive story with the player that you create. You can face scan your face and put it oh, in yeah. the game. It's so doable. They just choose not to. No, it's, it, it's fucking brutal. But, like, the way the goalies move in, in 20 is ridiculous. Like... <laughs> I know you were complaining about it in uh, the Slack chat earlier too. Yeah, fucking the amount of goalie, the amount of times I lost a game to a user goalie, or because of a user goalie, is ridiculous. I hate user goalies. No one can play goalie better than the AI. I don't believe that. Even the AI shit. The AI shit, but playing just—it's not a defense game. It's all offense. Yeah, like. Yeesh. Like their goal, I don't understand it. Like, also, if you look at some of the goalies, like if they take up the entire net, yeah. and like, they're brutal. They'll take up the net and then get a shot, a slap shot from the blue line right at them, and it just goes over their shoulder and it. Yeah, the uh, and I hate how like they have their aiming on, but like nine times out of ten, it doesn't go to where you're actually aiming it. Yeah, that bothers me. But I'm sorry, aiming it the hardest spot for a goaltender to save is top corner blocker side. Because they can't get up as high. Yeah. 
But no, it seems like every time you go blocker side, unless like you get them going one way and then the like and shoot backwards, they're gonna save it. I think I score more goals glove side in, in EA than any any other way. Cut cut across the slot glove side. I always score that way. Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess so. We were gonna see if Corey would come on, uh, the benders, but I, I guess he got fucking busy. Um, it's been honestly, like, we've been talking for an hour, and we kind of went off on a tangent there. Um, it's been good talking to you. Um, if you want to plug any socials before we leave it there. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Really Joker ninety seven. Or as on Frozen Biscuit, nine eight two on Twitter, and if you guys want to play Chow, uh, hit up my Xbox. The gamer tag is Really Joker, ninety seven as well, and I'll be playing Chow for the next like thirty days because I'm out of work. Yep, and I'm soon to be quarantined too, so I'll probably be playing with him, so we can hop in and play some threes or something. Anyway, yeah. it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for that. Thank you for having me. All right, see you next time.